You're listening to the New Spring Church Podcast. We're glad you're here. We want everyone everywhere to have an everyday relationship with Jesus, and we hope that this helps you do just that. Well, good morning. Good morning, church. Hey, before before we even get started, I just want to say you're going to get Morgan's full story in our Overflow series. And Morgan, I just want to tell you, you are actually the best of us. And y'all are going to see when you hear her story. Uh, my name is Meredith. It is my honor to be a part of this church. I love y'all so much. Um, I was out of the country there for a bit uh, at one of my best friend's weddings, and I missed y'all. Like, traveling the world is cool, but, like, I missed your faces. I really did. And came back to some beautiful fall colors and some beautiful fall funk in my face. Um, so for those of you who love fall, that is beautiful. Um, I'll just say I've never heard of a sickness called a hot. So be blessed with the cold is all I'm saying. Um, summer, summer forever and ever and ever. Um, if you're just joining us, you are catching us at the end of our Sermon on the Mount series. If you've been with us this whole time, guys, we did it. 12 weeks. This is week number 12. Yeah. And honestly, it could be, how many weeks are in a year? Thank you, 52. It could be 52 weeks, and there would be plenty um, to dig into the Sermon on the Mount. And I have to tell you, I also just want to remind you, we passed these out week one, these Sermon on the Mount devotionals. If you picked one up and have yet to dig into it, dig into it. There's prayer guides. There. I mean, look how beautiful this is. Wow is right. My team made this, and I'm so proud. Um, even the everything written in here is from people in our church. The art is from artists in our church, um, and I just want to encourage you. And if you didn't get one, I think at many of our campuses, we have some extras at guest services, and you should definitely pick one up because there is still more to dig into when it comes to the Sermon on the Mount. So it's been 12 weeks, 12 weeks of content. 12 weeks of, of prayer, 12 weeks of illustrations and whiteboards and prayer and moving for communion and learning what, what it means to, how do we handle our worry and how do we handle our money and 12 weeks of this. And I was, as I was prepping for this week, the only question that began rolling in my mind is, okay, well, will it matter? 12 weeks is a long time to go over something. We've never done a 12-week series as far as I'm aware. And it's been beautiful, but will it matter? Specifically, will it matter in my life tomorrow? Will it matter in how I handle my money? Will it matter in how I interact with people in my community? Will it matter in how I pray? Because there's such beautiful teaching on prayer. Will it matter? And I believe even how we see Jesus end this message uh, at the end of Matthew 7. If you have a Bible and you want to turn there or um, on your phone, you want to click there, or open the app. What I think we see at the end of Matthew 7 is that Jesus really is, is like drawing the crowd in because he wants it to matter. I see this because there's this beautiful shift at the end of the, the sermon where, where Jesus turns and he, he goes into four warnings in scripture. 
kind of, I'm going to be honest, kind of an odd way to wrap up a message. Like four pretty um, direct warnings. But I believe it's in these warnings and these, these um, like loving awareness calls that he shows us um, how to, to make this matter. And one of them uh, that I've been very familiar with since I was a little girl, it's going to be our base text today, is from Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Jesus says this. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Okay, this is a pretty big bomb at the end of, of Jesus's message. And I remember growing up, um, I would hear these verses. And I don't know if any of you are like me, but growing up, literally at the end of every Sunday service, this would be me. Jesus, if I'm not saved, please save me. The next Sunday, Jesus, if I'm not saved, please save me. The next Sunday, Jesus, if I'm not saved, please save me. Because I was asking this question that maybe many of you, I'd say if not most of us, have asked, well, how, how can I know? How can I know that Jesus is the Lord, Lord of my life? Because I want to know. And I just want to encourage you this morning that Jesus wants you to know too. These, these verses, though they may be very sobering. I don't think Jesus is trying to instill fear into the hearers back then, nor the hearers in these rooms today. I think he's actually trying to help us answer the question, how can I know? Because we want to know. Well, first and foremost, we got to know what Lord, Lord even means. What is lordship? What does it mean to submit to someone's lordship? Well, Lord simply means supreme in authority, having the power to influence or command thoughts, opinions, and behavior. Look at that for a moment. Having the power to influence or command thoughts, opinions, and behavior. Maybe when we think about the lordship, the authority of Jesus Christ, our minds immediately go to behavior. Okay, what do I do? But that's not what Jesus is saying here. Thoughts, opinions, and behavior. This is not a call to behavior modification, but an entire character transformation. Where everything that I think, my opinions, my motivation, and then my behavior follows in the lordship of Jesus. This is what it means when we say, Lord, Lord, is that Christ has all command over everything I think, over the motivations of my heart, and then the behavior of my days. We've said in the series, um, why does it seem that we have so much church and so little change, right? You've been here, you've, you've heard our teachers bring this up. Why do we have so much church and so little change? So many Sundays, so many messages, so many worship moments. Well, I would 
present to us this morning that possibly the reason that happens is because there's actually a gap of lordship. We come to church and we enjoy the teaching or we take it in or even even change some behaviors for a while. But the gap is actually a gap of lordship, what it means to submit ourselves to the authority of Jesus Christ. And in the end of his sermon, Jesus is shifting to warnings because he wants us to learn how to submit to his lordship. He wants us to know, to not live in fear, but to learn the beauty and the power of what it means to live under his lordship. Make sense? So today, with that passage, I believe if you just look at the passages around the end of Matthew 7, you will see um, some guidance that helps us answer the question, well, how can I know then? Okay, I get what lordship is now. How can I know that I'm letting him have command over my thoughts, opinions, and behaviors? How can I know that Jesus is the Lord, Lord of my life? If you look at the passages around it, that's exactly what we're going to do today. And I'm going to teach in a way that Jesus often did. If you read through scripture, he often, like, you would ask a question, and then he would ask more questions. So I'm going to answer this question today with some more questions. But these questions, here's why. Can I just tell you all what I just can't take anymore? It's coming to church on a Sunday, liking the message or whatever, and then not thinking about it the rest of the week. So my hope is that through these questions, we can take them into our morning tomorrow, um, a meeting in the week, whatever, with our family, and we can go over these questions, bring them to the Holy Spirit, and see how to submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. So can we do that together this week? Can we go ahead and commit to that before I even go over these questions? All right. Yeah, you're like, I don't know. I haven't seen them yet, so I don't know if I want to, I don't know if it's like, Let's see first. All right. So, how can I know Jesus is the Lord, Lord of my life? Well, number one, do my daily decisions show that I am following the difficult and narrow way of Jesus? Take that in for a second. Do my daily decisions show that I am following the difficult and narrow way of Jesus. I get this question from some verses just before the passages on Lord, Lord in Matthew 7, 13 through 14, where Jesus says, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. Let me just go ahead and say what many of us may be thinking. That sounds kind of harsh. Right? Like that sounds kind of um, cruel. It could. That doesn't maybe sound like the loving Jesus that many of us have heard about or experienced because Jesus did say, hey, whoever would believe in me, could have eternal life. He did say, um, I've come that none should perish, but that all would come to a knowledge of the truth. 
He did say that he would give up his very life so that whoever would believe in him would have eternal life. And Jesus also said, you're going to have to pick up your cross and follow me. He also said, hey, people, they're going to kind of like hate you because of me. He also said, hey, I'm going to need y'all to count the cost of what it's going to mean to follow me. He also said, I'm coming with a sword to divide those who believe in me and those who don't. He also said, the way is going to be difficult. So here's what I believe Jesus is saying here. When it comes to the kingdom of God, all are welcome, but not all are willing. Because if you remember, at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, I got to preach the very top of the Sermon on the Mount, and now I'm getting to close out. Kind of awesome. But at the very beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gives these blessings that seems to broaden who the kingdom is available to. He says, hey, the poor, you may be looked down on, but you're invited now. The meek, people may used to have to demean you for it, but the kingdom of God is for you. Hey, those who mourn, who, who, who are weeping, the kingdom is open to you. So there is this broadening of invitation to the kingdom of God. All are welcome, but he also says, but not all of you are going to be willing. Because this is going to cost something. Now, if you have a super reformed theology in the room, just allow me the space that mystery allows us here. All are welcome, but not all are willing. What does this mean? It means that if we want to fully enter into the beauty and blessing and intimacy and hope and peace and joy and power and inheritance of a life with God, certain things have to go. Certain things have to go, y'all. I cannot hold on to the kingdom of Meredith Knox and walk in the kingdom of God at the same time. I can't. Certain things have to go. The way I talk has to change. The way that I look at people and view them, that should shift. The way that I handle my money, that has to change. The way that I use my words and how I speak about people and how I speak about um, things I don't understand, my thoughts, opinions, and behaviors, things have to change in order for me to walk in the kingdom of God. All are welcome, not all are willing, because it's going to be hard. But, now here's the beauty. The promise is that as we walk on this narrow way, you're walking with the one who paved the narrow way to begin with. Jesus isn't saying, go walk that way, it's going to be hard. Good luck. Jesus is saying, come and walk with me on this narrow way. I paved it, and I know that the end destination is life. Because I'm the one who secured that too. And can I just tell us, church, where I think lordship, loving to submit, learning to submit to God, comes as we learn to love him and walk with him in this narrow way. It's not hard to say, Lord, Lord, when I'm living in love, love. Right? But we learn to live in this love, love as we walk with our Lord, Lord on the narrow way. You feel lonely? He's experienced that and he says, come and walk with me. I know it's hard, but I'm going to walk it with you. You feel rejected and like people overlook you said, hey, I get it. Come on and walk this way with me. 
You feel like there's certain things that you've been sacrificing that's just hard to keep walking on this narrow way. Who understands sacrifice more than Jesus Christ? And he says, walk this way with me, for in it is eternal life. Look what John 17, 4 says. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This is life, y'all. Getting to know Christ and being formed like him. You can write this down. A central purpose of every believer is to know Christ and become like him. That's it. To know Christ and become like him. To know Christ and become like him. To know Christ and become like him. That happens on the difficult and narrow way. Do my daily decisions show that I'm following this difficult and narrow way? That was number one. Y'all good? You still with me? All right. Number two, do I truly want to obey the voice of Jesus above anything or anyone else? Come on with that one. Look at that for a second as I drink some water. This comes from right before the passage on uh, Lord, Lord in Matthew 7, 15 through 20. Jesus says, hey, beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit, that is, by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Great question. A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. Okay, <clears throat> can we just all agree there are many voices out there today? They're everywhere. Just without the V. Everywhere. And what I want us to get out of our minds, when Jesus says, beware false prophets, get out your mind, the, the televangelist or the prosperity gospel preacher or whatever, that's, that's, I don't even think that's what Jesus is necessarily talking about. A prophet is simply someone who is speaking on behalf of God. That can be a, a friend, a family member, someone who is saying like, hey, I think God would want you to, da-da-da. I don't think God cares about that. I think the Bible allows for, does this make sense? It's simply anyone who speaks on behalf of God. And if anyone is claiming to hear from God on your behalf, then that person, by definition, would hold a prophetic voice in your life. Okay, why does this matter? Because who we listen to is helping to define whether or not God is our Lord, Lord, or something that just looks a lot like it. And I would say that the kind of prophetic voices that are out there right now, the kind of tone that seems to be out there sounds a lot like some prophets that God also warned us about way back in the Old Testament in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 23, 16 through 17. He says this, see if this doesn't sound familiar. Thus says the Lord of hosts, do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you, filling you with vain hopes. They speak visions of their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. Here it is. They say continually to those who despise the word of the Lord, it shall be well with you. And to everyone who stubbornly follows his own heart, they say, no disaster shall come upon you. Okay. All of that, what does all that mean? I'm just going to be straight up with y'all. 
There's many of us, there are certain voices we just have to stop listening to. Because they are actually proclaiming one thing. Hey, it's not a big deal. That's peace, whatever. And they are pulling us away from the lordship of Jesus Christ. And the way that you know is this person actually speaking on behalf of the Lord or not is to check the fruit of their life and see if that's fruit that you would actually like to be true of your life. So for example, the person who keeps maybe encouraging you like, hey, that sin, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Do they have the kind of peace in their life that you would like to be true of yours? The person or maybe people who keep excusing language that comes from our mouth that is cynical, sarcastic, or even demeaning to the church of Jesus Christ, his bride. Do they hold the type of compassion and gentleness that you want to be true of yours? The person who seems to stir that fear that you're afraid of, y'all's fear just keeps like, You know what I'm saying? Mounding on top of each other. Do they have the kind of perseverance and self-control that you want to be true of yours? And as you check the fruit, realize that that person may be a false prophetic voice in your life and it's time to turn down the volume on their voice and turn up the volume on some trusted people and to ground yourself back into the word of God. Church, please, I don't even, (laughs) please read your Bible. I don't know, I feel like I'm about to cry because I would not make it without this word. And I'm not even talking about just because of false prophetic voices. There's stuff some of us need to stop reading because it may not be a personal voice, but it is just, the fruit of it is just rotten. If you can't understand it, ask for help. There's so many resources today. And for goodness sakes, we've got to stop using the phrase, I'm busy, as an excuse to not read the word of God. We can't afford it anymore. This is, this is our, a foundation and a rock to be able to discern, is that a false prophet or not? Because I've got this book tuned to my ear. I just jab my earring into the side of my neck. Do I truly want to obey the voice of Jesus above anything or anyone else? Knowing the word of God will help you do that. Didn't even mean to say all that. I just feel it in my gut. So that was number two. Number three, what am I actively trusting to hold me up if everything else were to give way? What am I actively trusting to hold me up if everything else were to give way? Okay, this comes from the very end of Jesus' sermon. The very last few verses is how he's wrapping it up. So it's kind of like his going, if you don't hear anything else I say today, hear this. And he says it in verses 24 through 27. 
He says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in, torrents and the flood waters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. I promise y'all, these verses, it's like I can almost hear Jesus's tone change. It's almost like I can feel his, um, his desperation pick up because these are his very last words. These are like the exiting statements of his sermon before he prays and wraps it up and, and walks off. And what he warns us toward, how we can know that he is Lord, Lord or not, is that we can confidently say that with the best of our human efforts, even though we stumble, even if we mess up, even if we don't always get it right, Jesus is truly the foundation of our lives and everything we think and everything that we say and everything that we do. This is a foundational call that Jesus is drawing us toward. So truly, everyone just evaluate for a moment right now. In this moment, not a few weeks ago, not when you first got saved, in this moment, can, can you confidently say, can we confidently say that Jesus is the foundation of your life? This is a moment where I think the Holy Spirit is inviting us in to see a foundational issue. Here's the way I think about it. Um, I told y'all I got to go to Australia a few weeks ago to see one of my, my besties get married. Um, and so... As you do in Australia, it's pretty much nobody lives in the middle because that's where all the scary things live. Everybody lives around the edge by the ocean. So I went to walk on the beach, as one does. And some of y'all can identify with this. When you are walking from, like, the dune entrance, what do you try to get through as quickly as possible? All that soft sand. Unless you're one of these weirdos who trains in it and runs. God bless you. I'm like, you know, you're like, why does this feel so weird to walk? Like my calves start burning, my thighs start hurting, and I'm trying to rush to get to that harder sand that's down by where the water is. You know what I'm saying? Some of y'all, your parents, God bless you, I see you dragging that wagon <laughs> through the soft sand. I just got like my towel, like, sorry, I don't know what to tell you. And let me tell you with the Holy Spirit, this is me what the Holy Spirit revealed to me in that moment. Nobody likes to be in the soft sand. It's easier to walk on the hard sand. But you know, there's actually, I think, many times that I know what not to build my life on that's just like soft. This is gonna wash away, I can tell. But there's certain things that I'm building my life on that are actually just hard sand. But at the end of the day, is still sand. For example, confession, something that I have made the mistake of building my life on as a foundation before has been this church. And it feels holy, right? It's like, well, why wouldn't I build my life on this church? Why wouldn't I bet my joy and my peace and 
my community, all of it on the foundation of this church. Well, in reality, this church is just hard sand. We're building our lives on the foundation of Jesus Christ. And so I'm telling you, don't build your lives on this church. That's a, such a slight skew. Build it on Jesus Christ. He's the only one who will stand. When storms come and disappointment comes and loss happens, this church is here to help, but we can't be the rock. That has to be your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Your family is beautiful. Your kids, your marriage, you better build a strong one, but don't build on the foundation of your family. Build your family on the foundation of Christ. Your purpose, what God made you to do, how he knit you together, what you're good at is such a gift from him and he wants you to enjoy it. But don't build your life on it. Because what if that job or what if that talent goes away, something happens that you can't do it anymore? What happens to your life? We've got to take those things and put them and place them and build them on the foundation of Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. He's it, y'all. Is he the Lord, Lord of your life or not? And you know, there's this like, <coughs> this crazy, it's like a fifth warning, but it's kind of in disguise that happens. It's the last few verses of Matthew 7. And I knew I had to bring this to our attention. It's verses uh, 24 um, through 29, and it lets us in on this. Excuse me, 28 through 29. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. For he taught with real authority, quite unlike their teachers of religious law. Okay, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, much like you all are today. Just kidding. Here's what's crazy about that. Many crowds, thousands upon thousands of people stood amazed at Jesus' teaching. He got quite a following, quite a group of people. But here's what's insane to me. Thousands were there standing amazed at his teaching. But if you get to Acts 2, the people who are left, who are actually in the upper room, waiting on the Holy Spirit like Jesus said, does anybody know how many people were in that room? 120. Thousands followed. Thousands stood amazed. Thousands took in his teaching. Thousands really liked it. Thousands probably even said, I agree with all that. But when it came to actual submitting to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, when the church was about to get started, we see 120 people. So you know what I want for us? To not be a people who just stand amazed at the teachings of Jesus, but a people who live submitted to the teachings of Jesus. Not just standing, gosh, that was a great message. Gosh, I love the Sermon on the Mount. That is such a good word. I want to look at the, the sparrows and the flowers and know what to do with my worry. No, but to live submitted Every day, God, teach me. And I, just to encourage you, these questions, this lordship thing, this isn't a pass-fail test, okay? This is a daily being transformed. A day, This is a lifelong process I'm talking about of learning how to live under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And what I'm saying to us today, church, is let's be submitted. Can I just tell you? 
can I tell you what I'm sick of about myself? I'm so tired. I'm over myself. I am so sick of my nominal Christianity. I'm so over my partial submission. I think one of the most miserable existences in life is to live partially submitted. So I've been begging, Holy Spirit, teach me how to give it all, every last piece of myself so I can live in the beauty and the security knowing my life will not fall apart because I've submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That's where the safety is, the firm foundation is, the joy is, the life is. So I'm saying, what's that peace we need to bring today? And I believe everybody in here has a peace to bring. So we're gonna put these questions up here one more time, all three of them, and I'm gonna invite you to take a photo, write them down, whatever you need to do. And we're gonna spend time wrapping up our service to respond. Maybe you need to um, either come forward and pray with someone to repent of something or to ask for help. Or, hey, maybe you're here and you're like, I really want to want to submit to the Lordship, but I need somebody to pray that desire over me. We would love to do that. Maybe you need to come forward and receive communion and just be reminded of when you profess Jesus as your Savior and Lord. Maybe you need to sit there as we sing these songs and just ask the Holy Spirit for a conviction to submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. But whatever it is, I wanna say, let's all respond today. All of us have a response. And specifically, I just, I feel like I need to do this before I pray and wrap up. There's some people here, you need to submit to the Lordship of Jesus for the first time and pray to receive salvation. And if that's you, you can see a cross in every room. That's the place we would love to pray with you and to show you how to receive a relationship with Jesus Christ. So on every campus, I'm gonna invite us to stand to our feet. Ministry teams, you can go ahead and move now to get ready to pass out communion and to pray. But this is all I'm gonna say, y'all. The time is now to respond. The time's now to respond. So before we even start singing, we're gonna leave some space for you to ask the Holy Spirit, what is my response to this? Is there some way that I'm not walking on the narrow way, that I've kind of lost my footing? Is there voices I'm listening to that I need to turn down so I can turn up your voice, Jesus? And truly, like, what am I trusting to hold me up if everything else gave way? And then we're going to respond together. So let me pray for us. Father, I thank you that you're so trustworthy. You're so trustworthy. Holy Spirit, we need your help right now to expose in us where there's a gap of lordship so that the Sermon on the Mount wouldn't just be a series that we do, but something that saturates every area of our lives, our thoughts, our opinions, and our behavior. You are a Lord, Lord, who can be trusted. Show us that now, Holy Spirit. Have your way. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thanks for listening to the New Spring Church podcast. Make sure to visit our website at newspring.cc for more content, including videos, articles, and devotionals to help you have an everyday relationship with Jesus. Or plan a visit to one of our campuses across the state of South Carolina.